if you like betting on golf. But everyone that you back misses the cut, get some experts involved. With all the stats and the tips and so much more, cause it's the golf betting system, the golf betting system, it's the golf betting system podcast. Greetings and welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 184. Paul Williams and Barry O'Hanrahan join me, Steve Bamford, to discuss this week's PGA and European Tour action, namely the Sanderson Farms Championship and the Alfred Dunhill Links Championship. Good morning, gents. Morning, chaps. Morning, guys. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. Please be gamble aware. You can visit begambleaware.org for more information. And of course, please bet responsibly. Visit our world famous golf betting system website with our in depth betting previews, masses of tournament statistics, and our predictor models, which again this week are, have strokes gained in them, all available completely free of charge with no paywall. Please subscribe to this podcast and drive the popularity of the show. We are available on social media. On Twitter, Paul is at Golf Betting. I'm at Bamford Golf. Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. The link is available in the description box. Plus, look out for the Steve Bamford Golf YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show every week. Now, you guys, as listeners, power this podcast, so we need your five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts as ever. For those of you who leave a review, I will read them out at the start of a future show. Leave your name and where you are in the review. We have one from Canada here, gentlemen. It's from Morris84. Best golf pod around five stars. Always a great listen with plenty of stats and knowledge. If you're looking to avoid brown trouser golf bets, these are the guys you need to listen to. That's from Morris84 in Canada. Thank you, Morris, for that. Much appreciated. Yeah, thanks, Morris. And I'm not entirely sure how you would avoid the brown trouser brigade listening to some of the players that we've put up recently because they yeah, they've tended to have fallen into that, that category. But, um, yeah, I, I understand the sentiment. So uh, <laughs> thanks for taking the time to uh, to give us that review. We have learned not to put up Emiliano Grillo over the years and you know, Cameron Tringali and all these sorts, Harold Varner. You, you know, know what happens? As soon as guys. you mention the names, Steve, as soon as you mention those names, you know what's going to happen. They'll what start winning. Boys? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Essentially. Yeah. There is that angle to it. Right. It's unavoidable, I suppose. Let's quickly talk about the Ryder Cup. Mm. Uh, congratulations to Team USA. If they absolutely monstered the 2021 Ryder Cup from whistling straight from start to finish. It was a it was a phenomenal performance. Um, just some of the golf on view from the Americans was just absolutely fantastic. Dustin Johnson, Colin Morikara. It's difficult to, to pick individuals, but uh, some of the some of the golf that was on on show was fantastic. I thought Scotty Scheffler did a good job trying to keep Bryson calm at stages, and uh, the Europeans just couldn't cope with it. Just could not cope with it. What what were your views, gentlemen? Very very distant second in the end, weren't we? It was um, it was a shame, and uh, after that after the first session uh, three one down, it was. Um, 
it looked like a long way to come back from that point, and and so it proved. Uh, but yeah, you can't take anything away from the Americans. They they were outstanding, and to a man, as you said, it, the, there was no weak link there. Whereas realistically, you look at the European team, and aside from John Rahm and um, and Sergio and a few sparks from a couple of others now and again, um, there wasn't a great deal there. There was a lot of out of form European players who didn't up their game and didn't didn't perform anywhere near as well as they could do. Yeah, it's um, it's disappointing that the the Ryder Cup didn't trigger some good swing feels for more of our team, you know, and, and got them playing a bit more consistently. But um, I guess it shows that you you do need that. A lot of these guys need that bit of form coming in to yeah. to to have their confidence at maximum um, capacity. And look, it it didn't work out for us. Um, nor my bet on Europe, just based on price alone, which was um, partisan idiocy on my part, I would say. Uh, but like, there's can't, can't. I'm not like I'm not going to get too disappointed by us losing. Like it's 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 great to win, but it's not the end of the world to lose as a fan. Well, for me, it isn't. And to watch the US play golf at that level was just a treat. Um, like just. They destroyed us. It gave us no hope, which kind of almost you know removed the enjoyment factor as as a competitive match. But mm-hmm. um, enjoyment factor from watching incredible golf like that was at right up there, nine out of ten. You know yeah. they were they were stunning. Yeah, yeah. No, so some some really cracking individual performances as well, weren't there within the US team? Morikawa was brilliant. DJ five out of five. Um. Even Bryson, you know, a lot of the narrative before the event was how he would get on, who he'd be paired with, um, how many he'd play. But um, I thought his demeanour and his uh, his his play, full stop, was was very very strong. Um, as to, as to how that all kind of I don't know ingratiating with the uh, the teammates ongoing in terms of regular straight play events and uh, interactions, I don't know. It's uh, you know mm. it remains to be seen, but. Um, yeah, it was just a walkover in the end, wasn't it? It it gave him a it gave him a perfect opportunity for the um his showmanship really came to the fore this week and he backed it up with some incredible stuff to to really juice the crowd. Yeah. Um you know, he still has the capacity to shoot himself in the foot when he opens his mouth, but um <laughs> you know, it seems to have um Seems to have won like at least short term um, support and kind of acknowledgement of that it was incredible entertainment when he was taking the driver out, you know, pulling it out like a out of his bag like a sword out of a scabbard. You know, it's just, you just have to you have to just love that no matter what a you yeah know, no the, matter what you think of as a person is about it, didn't it? <laughs> a little bit of yeah, is yeah, if Jimenez was like popping cans of spinach like Popeye or something like that. <laughs> Just the way he was pulling it out of the bags, though. Yeah. Like a sword. That's, the D'Artagnan kind of. It's the kind of entertainment that uh, you, you just can't, uh, you can't resist. It's it's, it's brilliant. So, um, I asked you, just... I asked you off mic, Paul, the, uh, the course in Rome hmm. for the next Ryder Cup. You said, you said off mic, you think it's going to play a little bit more neutral. So, you know, it won't be the Golf National technical tight affair, high rough. No, I think it's, it's a... going to, just from the experience we saw a few weeks ago in, at the yeah. Italian Open, 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's more exposed than, you know, you, you think with Italian tracks, you think very tight tree-lined tracks, and it's not that. It's more it's more risk-reward. Um, I mean, aesthetically, it, there, there, there are elements that you would kind of align it to um, to the Golf National, but the way it played, I, I, no, I think I think it would be a good, strong setup for the Ryder Cup. I think it will um, encourage a lot of risk-reward shots, which is exactly what um, that format of the event is about. As to whether it will overly favour the European team as um, in terms of the setup, um, I'm, mm. I'm not overly convinced. Um, I think we're going to have to be significantly better and stronger by the time we get round to Rome in a couple of years' time to uh, to stand a chance of beating what is a very young US team that's only going to develop and be added to, I'm sure, over the next two years. Did you guys think that Whistling Straits was, you know... All- Forgetting the the result or pushing the result aside and the European performance aside, I thought it was a course that we could have really competed on had things been going better for like our, our form and and how yeah. the guys got you especially know, got with going. the wind for sure. Yeah, apart from the morning foursomes on Friday where the lay the wind laid down, there was no wind, and that you know they seriously took us apart three to one. And Apart from that, you can't even say. I mean, the wind was up for pretty much all the sessions after that, so <laughs> it was pretty. It was pretty yeah. European conditions. It was cold. Yeah. Um. I. I and I. I thought the course certainly. Yeah. I don't. I don't think it. I mean, clearly that you know, they wide fairways and it was no rough. But I. I think Europe could have done well around there. You know, just with the mm-hmm. amount of good coastal linksy kind of golfers that we've got. Um, but the, yeah, there was just so many players. You know, Westwood, Hatton, Fitzpatrick. There was a long list of players. Fleetwood's had a terrible year going in there with no form, and yeah, just that spark just didn't occur, did it? It just continued. Casey, Westy, you know, just so so many guys just tapering off or just like yeah, bang out of form. Do you know what? Just back to the course. One, one final thought on I I, re, I I was thought they did a great job with the. Um, making some par fours drivable makes it more exciting in that risk reward thing and, and gives you, um, you know, just gives the crowd that juice and, and, and brings the elements of, uh, you know, big scores and Eagles into it. And I thought they did a really good job with that and not just banging them back at the, the furthest, um, the furthest tee boxes back away from the hole. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, it wasn't excessive in terms of length, was it? It gave everyone opportunities and, I think I my kind of knee-jerk reaction to it was it was more even than I expected it to be in terms of the setup. Um, mm. but, uh, yeah, the the result is the result. It's um, it, that just shows you that the the play from the American team versus the European team was so significantly stronger. It was uh, it, 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 the result was um, you know foregone conclusion really once once it all started. Just to um, tick the. Uh... Yeah. Cross the T's and dot the I's. Top combined point scorer, as Paul mentioned earlier, Dustin Johnson, five out of five. Windy conditions, top of our predictor model over five years for wind play. He won that particular market. Clearly, he also was top American, top European. Three and a half points out of five was John Rahm. Should we not talk about the Ryder Cup now? Should we talk about this week's goal? Yep, let's go. Yep. <laughs> Um, let's mix it up, Paul. I think we should, um, let's, let's start off with your event at, you know, the host course being at the home of golf St. Andrews, always one of the bigger tournaments on the European tour, the Dunhill 
what Alfred Dunhill Links Championship, a reasonable field. Yeah, Take it's it a reasonable field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dunhill Links off to the home of golf, as you say, for our mm. uh, regular pro am jaunts up at St Andrews and the uh, and the local tracks up there. Um, Five million dollar prize fund, so it's always well attended. Um, decent enough field, as you say. Despite the late withdrawal of Tony Finnell, who um, I don't know if you've seen his quote, but is an undisclosed um, illness, which sounds very much like, like a hangover. To me. Yeah. He's got the it's the cocktail flu. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So, so Tony's not, and he would have been the top ranked player in the field, which was a shame he hasn't come over. But I'm entirely understandable, I guess. Uh, that's left. Shane Lowry is the 14 to 1 favourite. Uh, Billy Horschel, 14 to 1. Also, Tommy Fleetwood, 14 to 1. Tyrrell Hatton, 16 to 1. Alex Noren, 16 to 1. And then you've got the likes of Victor Perez, Thomas Peters, Brandon Grace, all 28s. Bob McIntyre, 35s, 40 to 1 bar. So you've got five at the very top there who um, stand out in terms of their position in the market. Um, three of whom are coming straight back from Wisconsin um, with uh, tails between the legs, I guess, is the only way to describe it. Shane Lowry, Fleetwood and uh, Tyrrell Hatton. Uh, in terms of the markets, Labrooks this week, eight places each way, a fifth of the odds. They're a fifth of the odds on um, and eight places on this event and also the Sanderson Farms Championship. Yep. This week, so um, some decent additional places on both events. If you pop, I onto total the... that up with six additional each way places, Paul, with my uh, crazily basic mathematics. Um, yeah, you've, you, you've cracked it there, Steve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if you um, if you haven't got a Labrix account, pop along to the site. There's an offer on there. You can get four, four five pound, or five euro free bets after just an initial £5 or €5 um, win bet or £5 or €5 each way bet um, will qualify you for these four £5 free bets. T's and C's apply, of course. Pop along to the site. There's a uh, link to the offer on there if you fancy a bit of that. But eight places each way, a fifth of the odds on both events is um, a strong position from Ladbrokes this week. Can I stop you as well? I just want to highlight to our regular podcast listeners. I know a lot of them use our predictor models. You've put a lot of work in over the last weeks and months in terms of strokes gained, and it's well worth noting that both European and PGA Tour predictor models now and will ongoing have strokes gained data within them. And uh, from what you were saying, Paul, it's 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 a moving feast, a window, a window over six months, isn't it? and every strokes gained category there off the tee tee to green, yeah. around the green, and putting, in addition to our traditional stats, so, you know, the accuracy, greens and regulation, putting average and whatever. So they've been added to both predictor models ongoing, strokes gained, and completely free of charge as ever at golf betting systems. That's worth mentioning, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just to qualify that, this is six months rolling, and it's across um, both tours where the okay. strokes gained have been captured yeah. so you'll find a combination of european and pga tour stats and um, for a player in there it isn't just isolated um, one or the other so you get a fully blended view of how players are performing in the most recent uh, six month Very period nice. so yes uh, yeah pop along and have a play with it mm. um yes so back to the uh, Daniel links then yeah played over three tracks um uh three three courses for three days king's barns can't Carnoustie and St Andrews. The final round is at St Andrews on Sunday. 
The cut comes after 54 holes this week rather than 36, and it's the top 60 and ties who make it through to the final day. So some slight changes to the ordinary setup for a regular uh, European Tour event. Realistically, though, if you're sitting in 60th spot going into the final 18, um, you're going to do well to, uh, to get anywhere near the lead generally. Uh, in terms of the courses, we all know about St Andrews, of course, uh, classical links golf track, isn't it? Um, it tends to play the easiest of the three uh, alongside Kings Barnes. Carnoustie tends to play the toughest of the three. Um, all depends on the weather and the, the wind, though, and they can all play reasonably tough if it's really, really windy. Um, but yeah, normal mink, wink, <laughs> links affair, wide, fescue, rough, pot bunkers, gorse, uh, you know, the standard standard stuff that you get on a true links or set of links uh, courses. Um, I'd say that only plays as tough as the conditions get. Um, and even so, it is a prime event, so they don't tend to set it up brutally, uh, particularly if there's um, forecasts or some wind in the uh, in the weather. And it does look like we're going to get a bit this week, actually. Um, should be some light rain, should be some sunny spells, relatively low temperatures, low to mid 50s in terms of the Fahrenheit uh, conditions, 15 to 20 mile an hour winds, particularly on Friday and Saturday. On the Thursday and uh, Sunday, it's going to be 10 to 15. So there's going to be a reasonable wind blowing across all three of the courses. Um, you'd have thought that would keep a lid on the temperature, on the, on the scoring, but it you know, even going back historically, when they've had some trickier conditions, it's not really impacted the uh, winning score massively. 15 under tends to be as uh, as kind of as high as it gets. Uh, 24 under as low as it gets somewhere in that kind of region, even with um, trickier conditions is, is what sh we should expect. Uh, going back historically then, 2010, Martin Keimer won here at 16 to 1. He won at 17 under. Um, there are some real long shots in this, which uh, you, you'll hear as I go through. Michael Hoey um, in 2011, 250 to 1. Uh, he was 22 under. Brandon Grace, 50 to 1 the year after. He was also 22 under. David Howell, um, another three-figure winner, 125 to 1 at 23 under in 2013. Then we had Oliver Wilson, 500 to 1. Um, and you, you've done incredibly well to pick Ollie Wilson out of that uh, that line up that week, but uh, he won at 17 under at 500 to 1. Tjorbjorn Olsen, 200 to 1 in 2015. I remember you um, putting him up that week, Steve, back in 2015. Amazing. Um, 18 under. Yeah, I, that was a hell of a hell of a pick to, to grab Olsen because he didn't have a massive amount of incoming form either. Um, and he converted at 18 under. Uh, Till Hatton at 66 to 1, 23 under. In 2016, he defended the following year at 22 under. And a shot deeper at 24 under. Um, Lucas Berrigard won at 50 to 1 in uh, 2018 at 15 under. And then Victor Perez, last time he came here, 2019, was 175 to 1 shot. He won at 22 under. Uh, gained his first European Tour win into the bargain on his debut here at, uh, at St Andrews or in the Dunhill Links. That's a, that's a real eclectic mix, a real mix of prices as well. Um, and there's a real mix of incoming form if you look through the, um, the, the stats of those players that I've just read through. Some were in form, some were horribly out of form. I mean, if you'd have picked um, Michael Hoey, um, who had won, I don't know, 10 or 12 events back, but prior, after that he'd gone right off the boil. 
Was it 251? That's, that's a name I haven't heard for a while. Mark, well, it's funny you say that. He you started... were absolutely addicted to that guy, Hoey. <laughs> yeah, no. But he always used to win at crazy odds, and he used to win far more than he should have done. Yeah, he, he, he was, was quite. A a, he used to win quite regularly, didn't he, Hoey? Yeah, it's yeah, it's the kind of player. It's like a Scott Hen type player who um, does absolutely yeah. nothing, or did absolutely nothing, and then would pop up at two hundred to one and uh, and convert. And you know, yeah, there, there are a number of those players around, aren't there, who um, have that ability when they do find themselves in the mix to get over the line. But they um, don't go away, do they? They actually no. win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, they're kind of your your blind backing type players when uh, when, when they're in the field. But yeah, he's uh, he's gone right off the boil. But saying that, I've, I have seen his name pop up on some of the lower lower ranked tools recently. So um, there's been some uh, some semblance of form. Perhaps there's a, a renaissance coming from Michael Hurry a bit further down the line. We shall see. Mm. But uh, yeah, you you've done well to pick out Hurry. You've done incredibly well to pick out Ollie Wilson at five hundred to one, um, and even the likes of David Howell. Um, uh, you know, Victor Perez uh, last time he'd uh, he'd missed two cuts coming into this, so there wasn't a massive amount of, to go on other than uh, other than some some results from a little bit further back. Um, saying all that, um, the last five winners did all have a top ten finish of some description in their last five starts, so there was something a little to grab onto, I guess. Um, looking through event history as well, there's not a massive indicator. I mean, you look at Kaima Wilson. Olsen, they'd all finished runner-up before, but as I just mentioned, Victor Perez was playing his debut. Uh, Lucas Beregard had form, um, event form of 32, miscut, miscut, miscut coming into this. Tyrrell Hatton, before he won his first uh, Dunhill Lynx title, um, had missed the cut on his previous two attempts. So, um, you know, if you're looking through a classic current form, course form combination to try and find the winner of this it could throw you uh, you know completely off the scent um, so it's a t- tough one to pin in that respect tough one to pin statistically too because you tend to only get the stats from uh, St Andrews so the other tracks don't um, don't tend to uh, tend to show us the uh, how the players are performing um, high greens and regulation tends to be the order of the day but then you're playing on, on greens that are massive and you expect players to hit high greens and regulation and um, when it's a bit tougher maybe scrambling comes into it a little bit more and um, for me i think it's more about surviving carnoustie and maximizing the score you get on king's barns and uh, st andrews to give yourself a position going into sunday and uh, and hopefully you can produce that super low round on sunday that's going to get you over the line um, I don't know. We'll say there's. I, I, you could you could spend a long long time pouring through this. I think trying to find some something to really grab onto, um, and um, it, could, it could be an awful lot of red herrings. Anyway, I've back five. Um, I've looked at the top of the market. Lowry, Hatton, Fleetwood. They're all returning from um, from Wisconsin and defeated. I mean, when they want to play in a slow format, cold damp you know breezy four days i'm not convinced really i think they could lose a bit of patience with that particularly hatton and um, billy horshaw won at wentworth as we know um, and shows that these players coming down from the pga tour can uh, can just you know, can take a european tour level i think with, with with ease really it is his debut though here and um, the closest correlation i guess you can get for billy horshaw is how he's performed at the pebble beach pro-am and uh, his record there isn't Good at all. He's missed. He's missed more cuts than he's made, and uh, hasn't got a top thirty. So you know the top of the market really doesn't doesn't appeal to me. Um, 
I've started my my team a little bit further down, quite a bit further down, in fact. I've started with Matthew Jordan at 70 to 1. And we've had a few maidens, um, tall maidens, break the ducks here. Gallica back in 2004, Ollie Wilson, as we said. Till Hatton was maiden when he won his first uh, Daniel Links title, Victor Perez. And uh, Matthew Jordan's got far more potential than most of those, um, or most of the uh, the maidens that are, that are playing here this week. And I think he could well um, break through very, very soon, potentially this week. Um, he won the St Andrews Trophy as an amateur. He won the Lytham Trophy as an amateur too. He won the Lytham Trophy by nine strokes. So um, kind of showed a bit of his hand at that point there. Um, he played it on his third pro start. Um, he shot a 77 in the first round and recovered to, to finish 32nd, which was uh, was quite a uh, quite a strong um, sign back as a, uh, a, a kind of a fledgling professional. He was fifth the last time they played here in 2009. He led at the halfway point, and that was when he was a challenge tour player. He's a, he's a fully fledged um, European tour player now, and uh, showing some good signs of progress. Sixth at Fairmont St Andrews recently, fourth at Crown Sorcier. Um, it's a winner and waiting for me. And I think this links terrain that we've got here this week is absolutely perfect for a player like Matthew Jordan. So, uh, um, yeah, he leads my team this week. Um, Martin Keimer have also backed at 60 to 1. Keimer's a funny one, isn't he? We all know about Abby Dabby and his 10 shot lead. No win since the 2014 US Open. And ultimately, that's why he was a vice captain last week at the Ryder Cup, and he wasn't playing. And perhaps that's um, you know the fact he was there. Perhaps he saw you know being involved with everything, but not being able to physically uh, you know pull his clubs out and uh, and and fight for the team. And perhaps that'll act as a shot in the arm. Perhaps that's what will finally get him back on track. I mean, Kaima's only thirty six. He's got more Ryder Cups in him, in my view. A former world number one, two time major champion. It's a winner here. Could have won a couple of more times if he had done ill links and things gone his way on a Sunday. Um, and we've seen over the last year or so, he's had a number of chances to win, isn't he? And perhaps, you know, everything will combine. Perhaps he'll get that Sunday where the door just opens. And um, I think ultimately, if Kaima wins at 60 to 1 on a track that he's previously um, previously won on, then that will. Um, I think that will prove to be an exceptional price further down the line when you when you look at back at this. So Kaima's in. Um, I've also backed Min Woo Lee at 90 to 1. And if you look down the field, he's ninth in terms of the world ranking um, for this field or relative to this field. But he's a lot, lot further down the betting. And that, that presents an opportunity, I think. Um, he's twice a winner now on Linksy style tracks. He won the Vic Open um, 2020 last year. He won the Scottish Open earlier this year. And that's, um, his Perth upbringing has made him master that low stinger, which is absolutely perfect in the breeze, perfect for Lynx golf, full stop. And with that forecast, with 15 to 20 mile an hour winds, I think that could be uh, something that he could put to some good effect this week. Mr. Cut Wentworth in his last start, not worried about that. Mr. Cut here on debut, not overly worried about that, given what we've seen from some of the winners here. And that probably explains the price. But if you go back prior to that, he led the Italian Open at halfway, um, before that, and I think that he's coming back to a kind of a course and a setup that's absolutely going to suit him down to the ground. Um, I don't think we're going to get a massive amount of rain here this week, so I think um, it's going to still run relatively, um, relatively fast. I don't think it's going to be super soft, so I think that's. Um, I think putting it all together, it's well worth a punt at uh, at ninety to one. 
So that's three down. The fourth one I've backed is Joachim Lagergren. Um, I backed him at the same price here back in 2019, 125 to 1 that was. Uh, he finished third, so he rewarded us each way back in 2019. I think he could do the same again, if not better, here this week. He absolutely loves this event as well. Two more top four finishes uh, alongside that third place finish from 2019. He won in Sicily on a Carl Phillips track. Remember, Carl Phillips designed Kings Barns, which is, you know, the, the track over in Sicily is another coastal affair. So I think he's kind of shown his hand as the style of golf that he prefers. He's been largely off the boil this year, but 17th at the Czech Masters and 10th going into Sunday at Wentworth. Um, was a good indicator. His long game looked really good at Wentworth, which really isn't his game. So um, if he's striking the ball quite nicely um, and that uh, magic putter can get going, he could uh, he could rattle off a number of birdies here this week, I think, and get himself into contention. And finally, I've also backed Stephen Gallagher at 300 to 1. And we've had some mad long shot winners as uh, or long prize winners as I described earlier in the likes of Howell and Perez and Olsen, Hoey and Wilson so adding another or a rank outsider to my field or to my team could well be a good move I think. We've also seen Harrington and Hatton both win this event twice um, since it started so the fact that Gallic is already a winner here back in 2004 um, him adding a second title to his name wouldn't be um, completely out of kilter I don't think. 46 years of age now, um, you'd, you know, could be excused for thinking he's kind of on the, on, on the slippery slope, slope down. But, um, he's got his son Jack on the bag. It's given him a new lease of life, I think. Uh, he won the Indian Open with Jack on the bag back in 2019. And this year's not been great. 16th in Abu Dhabi was the highlight. And um, 25th last time at Wem, uh, last time out at Wentworth, though. And his short game and his putting looked really good. He's normally a good, strong, Greens and regulation merchant, tee to green man, but um, his short game, his putting looked really good at Wentworth. And um, we followed him around for a little bit. Um, and perhaps, you know, he puts, puts it all together this week and performs well on home soil. That's uh, what is a very, very long price for a player who's course proven. So Gallica's in, um, Joachim Lagergren's in at 125s, Minwoo Lee's in at 90 to 1. We've also got Martin Keimer at 60, and Matthew Jordan heads my team at 70 to 1 this week. Any fancies from you, Barry? Uh, I'm going to stick with Kawamura. Yep. Masahiro Kawamura, he's been playing some very good golf recently. Um, yeah, other than that, I'm just, it's FOMO at this stage. You know, I've backed him quite a bit. So uh, let's stick with it and um, hope he converts. Mm, yeah, he's been playing some good, consistent stuff, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And seem, seems to do all right in, you know, challenging conditions. So uh, I, I know this is going to be a mix of challenging conditions with needing to make some birdies. So hopefully he finds a blend this week. But he's out there at 60 to 1. So. Mm. I'm kind of with you on your thoughts about the guys at the top of the betting market. Not too keen, not, not keen on the lads coming back from the Ryder Cup. It's a tough sell, isn't it, to try and convince yourself yeah. that uh, you know a Lowry or a Fleetwood or a Hatton's going to lift his game instantly, despite the fact they've all got strong records here, Hatton in particular. But I, 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 I can't be, I can't be having it at that price, particularly how they played last week. You know, Lowry aside, and you know there, there was some fight from Lowry, and we we, we all saw that. But um, mm. tough ask, I think. <laughs> I think this could be a fun week for some betting and running because of the the course switches and mm. 
and maybe maybe just see where the the you know where things lie on Sunday morning and um you know have have a punt or two at a couple of guys to run up the leaderboard because low rounds can can happen in St Andrews. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can get off to a fast start, can't you? And uh, you know, really start rattling birdies off um, on, on the front nine. And uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it, it's a funny one, but the way it sets up with the the, the fifty four hole cut. So yeah, how how many shots behind the lead can you be to to, to get yourself really in the mix? But, uh, but yeah, low rounds are definitely out there, and it looks like Sunday is going to be one of the less windy days. So potentially that will be one of the days for some. Uh, some lower scoring anyway. We shall see. Anything from That's you, quite, Steve? I think of the top the top five in the market, I'd take Norren. I think Alex Norren's been playing some nice golf recently, isn't he? Um, 16 to 1 is not exactly the sexiest price known to man. But I, th- I think we've 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 said for a while he's he's going to win a tournament. He's going to be in a win a tournament. It's going to be on bent grass or fescue or poana or mix or something. Something's inbound, I think, with Norren. Sixty first in the world, so you know he could really do with getting into that top fifty and getting a nice Masters invite on his uh, doormat come Christmas. So there's that motivation for him. The one that I did like the look of played nicely at the Dutch Open, and. I mentioned him for Wentworth, and I think he was five over through six. It was Brandon Grace? Yeah, I think Grace is you know twenty eight to one doesn't sound the worst price in the world. And I'm glad, I'm absolutely ecstatic that you stuck to your guns and you went with yoking Lager and Lagergren because after the Dutch Open exercise, where I think the half the world were on him. Yep. You just get the feeling with him that it's one of those ones where if you just walk away, it's going to bite you on the bottom rather hard. And he's, it, he's, his record here, events by the coast, open affairs, low scoring, it's it's right up his uh, right up the Swede Street, isn't it? I think. Yeah, 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 and you know it made it made sense um, at the Dutch Open because the you know there was a lot of correlation across. Across that week as well, and as you say, yeah. um, there were an awful lot of people, me included, on him, and it's a real letdown. But he's that kind of player, isn't he? He's that kind of he streaky, miscut, or you know, a third, fourth place finish, or potentially the win. And uh, we've seen him capable of getting over the line. We've seen him capable of performing at this event. And as you just said, his record here is is outstanding. So for three figure shot, I, yeah, I, the, I, I can't see any reason not to put him in. To be honest. Um, Shot to nothing, really. You've got it's. It's funny. You look at the world rankings at the moment, I, and I always think this time of year it's a it's a good ploy just to look at the rankings and where players are at. Yeah. You know, you've got Grace at fifty sixth in the world. You've got Minwoo Lee. I think is another good choice. He's at sixty. Norren at sixty one. Now these players have got a lot to play for to get into that top fifty. You know, you, you look at the top fifty at the moment. Poulter's just hanging there at fiftieth. You know, there's there's a Matthew Wolf at forty seventh. There's players there, Brian Harmon, Justin Rose, forty four, forty five. There's players there that aren't playing particularly great, who look vulnerable. And something like this Dunhill Links that's got a massive OWGR points uh, to the winner. 
even if you get a nice top three, top four, there's a lot of points that way. You know, a player like Lee, Win, you know, Minwoo, Grace, they must see this and think, yeah, it's a good opportunity this week mm. to really vault up those world rankings. Yep. Yep. Top fifty, such a such a big, big step to make and get that Masters invite for twenty twenty two. Just settled before you you eat your turkey at Christmas. It's a, it's a it's a big deal for these players. Yeah, it certainly becomes more of the narrative now that at uh, this point of the year, um, mm. as we head towards the back end, head towards Dubai from the European Tour perspective and uh, the final few yep. events over on your side. The other thing I will say, great to see Billy Horschel, you know, attended Wentworth yep. playing this as well. He's, he's clearly, you know, making a go for this uh, race to Dubai. So it's more than welcome. So um, kudos to Billy, I think. Mm. Yeah, no, he's, he's supported the tour really well. It's uh, it's a shame for Tony to didn't come over, but clearly it's um, it's understandable. <laughs> and he's played over here quite a few times. He's, he's played the, this event a few times, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's now? got a couple of top tens. It, it, that's, a, that's a tough journey when you've got uh, a few bottles of champagne inside your stomach, isn't it? You'd have thought Shane or Tommy would have just said, come across in our jet. <laughs> or with Tyrrell. <laughs> yeah. Or with Kaima. Yeah, he could have got in one of those private jets, surely. Oh, I expect they all like Tony. He's a, he's a, he seems like a lovely, likeable bloke. Happy not like him. Right, into or onto the PGA Tour. Uh, the Sanderson Farms Championship. I've got no idea what Sanderson Farms do, but I think it's poultry-based. I don't know if they've got a contract with KFC or... But uh, I think they're, I, I think um, they're, they're a big uh, poultry company potentially. But this tournament, um, it's had a a long existence on the PGA Tour. Uh, goes way back, I think, like mid two thousand and seven, something like that. They had uh, they used to play this at Annandale, if you remember, which was a Jack Nicholas design. Um, it's always been played in the in the southern states of. The United States, um, but it used to be one of these alternate events where it would go off against. Uh, I think it used to be against uh, potentially the Open Championship going way back, and, uh, and then against the, the WGC. I'm just looking actually. The history of the tournament goes back to 1968. Amazingly, it used to be the Magnolia Classic. Um. But of late, yeah, it's been the Viking Classic, the Southern Farm Farm Bureau Classic, True South Classic. Now we've got the Sanderson Farms. They play it now at the Country Club of Jackson, which is in Mississippi. So we're in the deep south. Um, time of year, so late uh, late September, early October, of course, this will be when it when this starts. You do get some variable weather here. Um, some years it's soft, like last year, where Sergio Garcia won at seventy to one. Yeah, you heard that right, seven zero to one, Sergio Garcia. Um, very soft last year. Don't think it'll be soft this year. I th- they've had a lot less rain, uh, and the temperatures look um, warmer. Anything up to thirty degrees Celsius, which you think about it in October, thirty degrees Celsius. Um, so I think it's going to be that perfect PGA Tour mix, Barry. No rough, firm, bouncy 
fairways and they'll have the Mississippi fire crews in from early on to get those greens nice and receptive. Localised rainstorms. Uh, yeah, coming out the back of um, a fire. On eight, 18, 18 small localised rainstorms. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me a little bit of the uh, Russian Grand Prix this week on, in Formula 1 where it started to rain with five laps to go. That and was incredible. It was an incredible wow. race. I've, I've actually, I, I like Formula One. I always, it's one of my favourite sports. Always has been, and then I turned it off when it became a procession. Mm. Uh, but this year, it's really got me going. And um, yeah, that was a cracking race. And uh, you know, that was similar, wasn't it? I think it was corner five. It was raining on one corner for a few laps, and they were all hitting this corner and they're going everywhere. And the rest of the track was dry. And then slowly but surely, it started raining everywhere, and it was carnage. But um, oh. I, I get the feeling the water tenders will be out in Jackson this week, Mississippi, um, to uh, to attack this golf course on the greens. The actual greens themselves are Champion Ultra Dwarf Bermuda Grass, and I'll get my agronomy hat on. You know me in agronomy. These greens are exactly the same as the greens that we see at the Wyndham Championship for Sedgefield Country Club. And one thing you could take from Sergio Garcia last year, whose inbound form was absolutely shocking, as you would expect, 70-1 to 1 in a relatively weak tournament. His forming was miscut, miscut, 66, miscut. The one piece of concrete evidence that you got with Garcia was he won the 2012 Wyndham at Sedgefield on those champion Bermuda grass greens. And you do see it, you do see some quite strong links between Sedgefield and people that place, at the very least, place here. Uh, Sebastian Munoz, who won this two years ago, he's had a top seven at Sedgefield uh, since. And actually, if you look at the places from last year, JT Poston was in the paying places at 100 to 1. And JT Poston is a winner of the Wyndham Championship. So there's a lot of carryover between the Wyndham and here. Sung Im's another one that's done well at both. Benny Ann. The list goes on and on. So that's a good crossover. It's not, um, I wouldn't say it's absolutely, you know, it isn't a, something where, you know, you need to see Wyndham form to, to select someone this way. I mean, Cameron Champ's done nothing at the Wyndham. Ryan Armour has, though. Ryan Armour won here in 2017. Very short hitter. Uh, Ryan Armour's had a top couple of top fives at the Wyndham since. And I think he had a top five at the Wyndham in the build-up to this, to his win in 17. So, yeah, there's, there's something there in terms of the champion Bermuda grass greens, undoubtedly. It's a pretty stock par 72. We're talking about 7,000 461 yards, which is pretty stock. Water in play on five of the holes. The greens themselves, kind of mid-range. I'd say small to yeah, mid-range. It's 6,200 square feet. It's a pretty nondescript um, golf course, uh, tree-lined in areas, but you, you can take it apart. The, the, the uh, gruff is only two inches long and it's Bermuda grass linked with the zoysia. And as you know, we, we, we do like our zoysia, don't we? That just makes the ball sit up anyway. So I don't think you're going to get 
bad lies here. And that comes across in the scoring. 19 under for Garcia last year. Munoz, 18 under. That was his maiden PGA Tour victory. 2018 was Cameron Champ, 21 under par. I think we're going to be at that kind of level again with the watered greens and, and the, the very calm weather conditions. Um, nice and warm. Uh, there's a drop down in temperature on Sunday, but there's, it, it's, I think the maximum wind gusts are going to be something like eight miles an hour. So they're just going to take this this course to cut apart. The cut line the last two years has been three under par, which tells you, you know, you, you've got to be playing well. Now, um, average winning prices here are, are interesting. Past eight renewals, so since we went to this split season, 133 to 1. And going back to 2010, the average is 125 to 1. So we've had some big price winners here. Last two, though, 66 and 70. That kind of Well, we've had 66, 66 and 70 to 1 last three winners here. And that's where the, the actual tournament itself has got a bit stronger. I mean, this week... We've got a half-decent field. Sam Burns. Sergio Garfit Garcia has travelled down from Wisconsin to defend. So, fair play to Sergio. Uh, Sam Burns, Sung Jae-im, Will Zalatoris, Siwoo Kim, Matthew Wolfe, Lucas Herbert, Mackenzie Hughes and K.H. Lee are all within the world's top 60. So, it's not the worst of fields. It's a decent strength. And again, it's this ecclesiastic mix of... Uh, some PJ to a journeyman, and a few of the, uh, I wouldn't say elite elite, but a few of the top ranking guys, and we've also got a lot of these new Corn Ferry graduates who we're still learning masses about. Player skills, what I always like to look at, and I must say, Paul, I really did enjoy using the predictor model this week with the strokes gained. Um, I maxed up on one of my um, predictor sessions. I just maxed up strokes gained off the tee, driving distance, and strokes gained on approach. Just saw what that drove out, and that kind of insight is really kind of eye-opening. So, yeah, again to the to the listeners, just come and use it because it's all free of charge. You can run as many models as you want, completely free of charge, and it just brings names to the top of the list that you might not expect. So it's it's good at uncover, uncovering potential names that you can do more research on. Um, if we look at strokes gained, tournament skill averages across the last five winners here. So going back to the, here's a name for you. Cody Gribble won this in 2016. I don't think much happened to Cody after that. I remember him grabbing a um, an alligator or a crocodile and throwing it back in the water at one tournament. Um, Gribble, Armour, Champ, Munoz and Garcia, the last five winners. If we look at the, uh, their strokes gained averages across their wins, averaging through, Strokes going off the tee, they were in 11th spot in the field. Approach, 13th. Around the green, 34th. Not important. Strokes going tee to green, 7th. Strokes gained putting, 8th. So it's one of those where you've got to hit the ball nice and long, be good with your irons, and you've actually got to have a good putting week. It's kind of the reverse of what we saw at Silverado a few weeks ago, where it was all about approach play. Well... And putting was not important at all. So you've got to have a decent putter this week. And then, but I don't know. I, I I think that's ultimately to win. But then you still see the names of Benny Ann, um, who 
has been close here. I, I think there's a, there's a yeah. I think tea to green. Some GIR monsters isn't a bad look here either. I do genuinely believe though that I think you've got to be a bit. There's a mix, but it tends to be the last three years have all been about power off the tee. Champ was first for driving distance. Munoz was fourth, and Sergio Garcia ninth for driving distance. You can then go back to 2017 and Ryan Armour was 70th at 270 yards off the tee. So if you're absolutely on it as a short hitter but hitting tons and tons of greens and you're a good putter like Armour is, I think you've still got a chance. Malnati kind of took the same route as well. Peter Malnati, who's got a good record here, Peter Malnati. I think it's there's something for everybody. It's just you've got to try and pick the guy that's going to pass better. It's going to hit plenty of greens and putt best that week, which is never easy in a resort scoring contest. I'll tell you what else I quickly looked at. I looked at the second tournament on the PGA Tour in the restart and who's won it. I didn't look at the US Open last year because that was a bit of an abnormality, but just in a normal PGA Tour year, who wins the second tournament of the new season? Well, 2019 was Munoz at 66-1. to 2018 was Mark Leishman. He won in Malaysia 22 to 1. Pat Perez won in 2017 in Malaysia 50 to 1. And Justin Thomas won in Malaysia. That was the second time he won that because he won it in 2015 and 16. He won at 25 to 1. So the last four winners of the second PGA Tour event have been 25 to 1, 50 to 1, 22 to 1, and 66 to 1. Interestingly enough, two of those had finished in the top 20 at the Tour Championship on their last outing. But this was the bit that really got me. Munoz had finished 7th at the Greenbrier, the season opener. Thomas had been 8th at the um, at, uh, the Safeway Open, the season opener. Uh, Smiley Kaufman, he won 250-1 at TPC Summerlin in 2015, which was the second event that year. 10th at Silverado. And then we can go back to Bryce Mulder and Jonas Blixt. They'd won, uh, they'd finished 10th and 3rd the, on the season opener at, at uh, that, those two years were at Las Vegas, TPC Summerlin. So it seems to me that if you can get a player that's in decent nick, like a top 10 finish on the first outing of the PGA Tour, a lot of those come through and win the second event. Mulder, Blixt. Kaufman, Thomas, and Munoz have all won the second event of the PGA Tour season after having a top 10 on their first outing of the year. Yeah, I guess a lot of players will use this period of time as, or target this period of time um, to, you know, as, as we mentioned earlier, to get themselves advanced up the world rankings. But um, they also see it as an opportunity because a lot of the big players will start to, to drift away from the fields and... You know, perhaps it feels slightly less daunting to be up against a, a set of kind of relatively uh, level peers rather than uh, you know mm. having, having superstars at the top of the top of the market each week. I mean, you look at the top of the betting this week, with all due respect. I mean, uh, Sam Burns was on my shortlist from the start. I didn't have a clue what price I got. I think if I could have got 22, 25 to one about Sam Burns, I'd have taken the plunge because he's perfect for this golf course. But I'm not backing Sam Burns at 16 to one. I'm certainly not backing Will Zalatoris at 16 to 1. Who you just look at his corn fairy history, there's a lot of top tens there. It's just like a top ten 
um, conveyor belt with one win. I think he's one of those guys that the odds guy, the odds, the layers can just put up a really short price on Zalatoris, who's clearly a talent, but still a maiden. So sixteen to one, the two favourites, one win between the two of them. Sung Jae Im at eighteen to one, one win in his PGA Tour career. Sergio Garcia twenties. None, none of this is interesting me at all. Um, I tell you, I'll go through my bet. One of my players has withdrawn, which wasn't which wasn't particularly nice. I suppose it's it saved me a bit of stake. But I have got a deep lean on another player that I might just um, tip up in in replace in um, replace. Um, that player was Taylor Gooch or Taylor Gooch. Who you think about? It. He was fourth at um, Silverado a couple of weeks ago. He he kind of fitted the mould really perfectly. Um, but the 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 guys that I've got in my team, uh, Mito Pereira, who just you know, third last time out, thirty three to one eight place each way, fifty odds with William Hill. Um, why wouldn't you bat Perea? He's, he, he's trending. He's a three-time winner on the Corn Ferry. One of those wins included um, a core. He, he won the BMW Pro-Am on the Corn Ferry. And two of those courses, it's a weird tournament. They play over a three-course rotor. And two of the courses feature... Um, two of the courses feature Bermuda grass. And one of them features champion Bermuda grass. So he clearly gets on with the putting surface. I think Perea has got the mix that I'm looking for this week. A good driver of the golf ball. Fantastic greens in regulation, man. And a guy that's a, a, at least a mid-range to better than middle of the of the range putter. I think Perea's a cracking bet, 33-1. to 1. I, I would expect him to be popular. Gooch has withdrawn. He was going to be a 45-1 to 1 shot. So that takes me down to... C.T. Pan. Now, C.T. Pan, 66-1 to 1 with William Hill on the eight places. Pan has got that Sedgefield link. He's also the sort that seems to be able to play well on shorter formats. I mean, I'm seeing the winner at the RBC Heritage, 2019 at Harbour Town. He's finished second in 2018 at the Wyndham at Sedgefield to Branch Snedeker, because I can remember sitting watching that. I was on Snedeker, and he was in a head-to-head with Pan. And um, in the end, Pan kind of blew it on the eight on the seventy second hole when um, Snedeker was sweating away and he was struggling to convert Snedeker. And in the end, Pan gave it to him on the eight on the seventy second hole. But it, this is it: RSM Classic, Sea Island. There's um, third at Honda Classic over the years. There's, there's a lot of form that really links in nicely. What I'm looking for. He was sixth at the Fortinet Championship in that first start two weeks ago in this new tour season. Um, and he was 12th here um, last year. So I think CT Pan could be one of those ones. He's not short off the T Pan. He's kind of deceiving. He um, He's relatively, he's like a 295 guy, but he can, when he's, when he's hitting the ball well off the T, very, very arrow straight. So I like CT Pan this week at 66s. I've got my old friend who I haven't been on for a while, but you know sometimes you've got to take the plunge. Scott Piercy, he's been playing some nice golf recently. Piercy, third at the Barracuda, fifteenth at the Wyndham, where he was third after fifty-four holes. There's the champion Bermuda Grass link at the Wyndham. Eleventh last time out of the forty net. As we know with Scott, he's not short off the tee. He's got plenty of power. He can unleash it out there, three ten, three fifteen when he wants to. 
He's also a champion Bermuda grass winner. He won the 2015 Barbasol Championship, which back then was played in neighbouring Alabama at the Robert Trent Jones Golf Trail in Auburn. That featured champion Bermuda grass greens. He's a four-time PGA Tour winner, and he's undoubtedly found some form of late. That um, that last outing at the Wyndham in August, mid-August, so only about six weeks ago, he shot 64-66 in rounds one and two to be second uh, in a type of second going into the weekend. So Scott Piercy, 80 to one. No, just I'm looking throwing... at Piercy. Oh, sorry, guys. Just say, I'm Is, just you, you're Piercy's... going for Piercy, are you? No, no, no. I, I, I kind of look past him because, you know, he always reminds me of someone who struggles with a putter. But um, looking through deeper into his stats, he's actually mm. been putting quite nicely recently. 12th for strokes going putting at the Wyndham and uh, 21st for strokes going putting at the Fortinet last time out. So um, you put that together with his uh, ball striking, I can see where you're coming from, I think. He, um, yeah, he's been putting very positively of late, which... He went through, a, you know, when he, I mean, last year he had a terrible, terrible year until he realised that he might be losing his playing privileges. And all of a sudden at the Barracuda, he popped up from nowhere. We always know he's a bit of a desert rat. And he, he got that all important, was it third or fourth at the Barracuda that got the momentum going and he managed to squeak back into the top 125. But yes, the putter's been a lot better. The one um, at a big price that I'm going for is Wyndham Clark. Now, our uh, guy at the top of the show was mentoring brown trouser guys in contention, and Wyndham Clark's certainly one of those. I, w- I wouldn't have thought... Um, he's not the most stable when he gets towards the top of the leaderboard, Wyndham Clark. But, saying that, the last time he was really in contention, which was about this time last year at the Bermuda Championship, he actually got into a playoff with Brian Gay. I'm sure we all remember that. Brian Gay won that, didn't he, in a playoff? And his playoff victim was Wyndham Clark. Now, Clark is as long as you like off the tees, an absolute bomber. But these statistics were very non-Wyndham Clark last time out at the Fortinet. Sixth for driving distance. Well, that is very Wyndham Clark. But 11th for driving accuracy. Third for total driving. Tenth for greens in regulation and second for ball striking. Now I look back, that's the best set of numbers he's ever had on the PGA Tour. And when it translated to strokes gained T to green, he's only ever had two outings at a better level from T to green on the PGA Tour. The 2019 Travellers Championship where he was 15th and the 3M Open, which is probably the one we remember the most, where... He was right in the mix the first time they went up to Minnesota. And he was right in the mix with Matthew Wolfe, Colin Morikawa, Adam Hadwin and Bryson DeChambeau. I think he was leading for quite a chunk of that tournament. And in the end, it all got a bit too much room on the uh, sort of around the turn. But he still got a top five. But yeah, Wyndham Clark, an absolute bomber off the tee. I've got him 175 to 1. Eight places each way with William Hill. Maximise the each way places at 175 to 1. And you just look at his Corn Ferry results. He's had a couple of decent results down in this kind of area. 17th at the Mississippi Classic. 3rd at the Knoxville Open. 11th at the Nashville Golf Open in neighbouring Tennessee. So he does 
play well in this neck of the woods when he comes down here. The one I'm going to add, and the one that was a 50-50, in fact, there was three. There were three players that were right in the mix coming to my final selection for the week. I went with um, I went with Taylor Gooch, who withdrew. The other one that I haven't selected or won't select is Charlie Hoffman, because oh, it's just Charlie Hoffman, isn't it? It's just, it's just Charlie. The one I am going to pump plump for, and he does make a lot of sense from an OWGR perspective. He makes a lot of sense from a Wyndham Championship Bermuda grass perspective. And when I just looked at his stats yesterday, he's been phenomenal off the tees last two outings. And tee to green, he ranked 20th tee to green at the BMW in the FedEx Cup playoffs. And then he ranked 8th for tee to green at the 40 net where he came 11th. We know he's a Bermuda grass monster. We know that he can win on the PGA Tour and all three of his victories have come on Bermuda grass greens. I'm going to have to plump for Siwoo Kim. And actually, in this field, there's a 33-1 to 1 out there hanging at Unibet. I just think, you know, if you look at Siwoo Kim against a Corey Connors, a Sung Jae-im, a Sam Burns, a Willa Zalatoris, who was 16-1, to 18-1, to 1, I'll just take the 33-1 to one on Siwoo Kim. I don't see him being much less of a player, really. He, he, he might be slightly lower down. I mean, but again, he's in the top... Where is he in the rankings? He's just on the fringe of the top 50. Uh, he's seen 48th in the world. So he's, a, he's in danger there. I just, I just fancy him. I think he's going to be motivated. He's playing nicely at the moment. Second at the Wyndham in August... That Wyndham, he's just an absolute beast around that golf course. He just yeah, he contends there every single year. And actually, if you look at how he's hitting the ball at the moment, he was actually 36th in the field at the 40 net for driving distance, all drives. He was just 298, so 304 for the week. So he's clearly getting the ball out there. And he's long enough off the tee, Siwoo. The half the trouble with Siwoo is he, he can be very errant off the tee. But at the moment, he's hitting the ball well off the tee. Great tee to green, so I'm going to be in. I'm going to just uh, top up my Talal Gooch uh, stake. We'll go on Siwoo Kim. So Siwoo Kim, Mito Pereira. I've got CT Pam. I've got Scott Piercy, and I've got Wyndham Clark. Those will be my five for the Sanderson Farms Championship. What about you two, Jen? So who do you fancy, Barry? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm in a bit. I'm, I'm in a bit of. Um, you in a Fred Funk? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I need. Um, I need a reset. I don't know. I'm. I'm finding it um, difficult to settle on one or two guys. I've so, like loads popping up and and ones popping up. Who are you, know, you in? Come name, on, who, give us the names. Whose names? I we'll, we'll have okay. a chat about it. Why? Why does Luke List keep popping up? Like oh. way up on all. I know this is the thing, right? So it's. Well, no. Well, List is the perfect player, isn't he? He's long off the tee, a high GIR man, but yes, it just always disappoints, doesn't he? It would break your heart. That's break the thing. Heart. So, yeah. Um, Taylor Pendrith. Yeah, he's Not, interesting. Paul mentioned him. I know, you, you but, were on him last time, weren't you, Paul? Yeah, yeah. I think it's big, big driver. Him. Big driver, but doesn't seem to have much of a history of converting to wins. And you know, okay, so. Look, he's sixty-six to one. 
not not a bad punt, but you'd like to see some evidence of it. He seems to have a lot of um, bridesmaid performances. You wonder about his ability to convert? One I stared at for a long while was Keith Mitchell. Big off the tee, Bermuda grass monster. Never backed him. Good. But a similar kind of player to Luke List, didn't he, Mitchell? Just long and... I remember he was at the Northern Trust when it when he when he birded the last two holes to get into the top seventy in New Jersey a few weeks back, playing half decent. So you're in a bit of a Fred Funk barrier, L- little bit, yeah, little. Bit I genuinely think this would befuddled. be the kind of perfect course, and I think he's got some decent results here in the past. But clearly, you know that that brilliant run he had last season as a hit is probably you know it feels a shameless power kind of course. But you, you yeah. know, you're, you're seeing 40s and 45s now, aren't you, about Seamus? It always used to be 100 to 1 or 150 to 1. Hey, we stuck with him until he got to 16s, you know, so no, like 40s true. is not bad. True. It's just, um, I, I guess, it's been, it's been a bit of a break. So, you know, there's that unknown and how he comes back. Mm. And as I said from the, you know, that, that kind of just looking at the second tournament of the season... Players that haven't played either the tournament championship or had a start already don't tend to win this week. I mean, you could Just build yet. a case for Gary Woodland. You could go Matthew Wolf's another one, and he you know, clearly better than the price you're getting. But Wolf hasn't been hitting his straps of late. What about you, Paul? Yeah, I've, I've, there's, a, there's a few that I'm looking at. The only one that I've backed so far, you mentioned it before, is Peter Malnati, which I thought mm-hmm. for 150 to 1 was worth taking, given that he's a course winner. Uh, he was runner-up again last year. He won in 2015, closed with a 63 last year to finish second. Yeah. He's got a little bit of progressive... He's had a poor year, Malnati, in general, but he's got a little bit of progressive form, 47th and 22nd over his last two outings and a couple of decent rounds actually within that last effort um, at the mm. 40 net um, and actually he strokes game positive on every aspect of his game last time out as well which was um, you know, an eye opener for Peter Malnati so for 150 to 1 for a guy who could be um, as I say progressing in the right direction and course proven multiple course proven um, I'm quite happy to take that. The other guys I'm looking at, Scott Stallings, um, got a good course record as well, and he was uh, sixth last time out. Um, I can see where you're coming from with um, uh, with Mito and Pan. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll have a deeper look into it. But um, Keith Mitchell, first-round leader potentially as well. Um, he's, he's the sort who can pop up and is, yeah. stick, a, stick a low one in early doors. But yeah, only one so far is Malnati at 150s, and I thought I thought that was a, a significantly um, mispriced. I thought it should be um, yeah, 100 to one or shorter, really. So yeah, happy he, with that. he's your typical fall fall guy, isn't he? The, the autumn player that can yeah. kind of get his card pretty much sorted and then disappears for the rest of the year. Yeah. And again, there's another one who could potentially pop up first round leader. Is you can get uh, mm. you can get hot in that one round, and if it's the first round, then you can you can be sitting pretty after a Thursday, which is always a nice place to be in. 
I think that's us. We'd look bang on one minute and six, uh, one hour, six minutes. It seems to happen every podcast. Right. Thank you, chaps. Yeah, best of luck, guys. Cheers, guys. Best of luck, everybody. Best of luck to you next week, Paul. What have you got? Oh, Spanish Open next week. You're John Rahm's playing, apparently. John Rahm at three to one, and then the rest of the field at twenty-fives. If that three to one, you'd be lucky to get five to two. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be frank. You'd be lucky to get two to one. Yeah, I, I do always take these early European Tour fields with a pinch of salt, mind, because um, they don't always manifest the way they. Uh, the way that the early early list shows, but uh, we'll, we'll live in some hope that he turns up and uh, we've got a bit of value. Yeah. We've got three decent tournaments on the PGA Tour coming up. The Shriners, which is always loaded, that's from uh, Las Vegas. We've also got another Las Vegas tournament the week after the CJ Cup. They're playing that at the Summit. So I don't know if we can get any MGM Resort kind of sponsored player links into that one, like Jason Kokrag last year at Shadow Creek. Oh, yeah, I've played there loads of times afterwards. And, yeah, it's my favourite golf course. Uh, and then the Zozo Championship, which I believe they're still planning to go to Japan for that, to Tokyo. So three decent tournaments on the PJ Tour coming up in October. Thank you for your time, gentlemen. And thank you to the listeners. Five-star reviews, please. As ever, please keep them coming. And we'll, we'll see you next week. Uh, enjoy your golf betting. Goodbye. If you like betting on golf But everyone that you back misses the cut Get some experts involved With all the stats and the tips and so much more Cause it's the golf betting system The golf betting